All right, I'd like to call the Monday, September 11th, regular meeting of the Shoreline City Council to order. Will you please join me in the flag salute? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, Indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. Will the clerk please call the roll? Mayor Scully. Present. Deputy Mayor Robertson. Here. Councilmember Ramsdale. Present. Councilmember Mark. Here. Councilmember McConnell. Here. Councilmember Poby. Present. Councilmember Roberts. Here. All right, so next up, I'm delighted to proclaim two proclamations tonight. One is that this is Welcoming Week in Shoreline, and I will not be reading that one aloud. But I'm also delighted to proclaim that it is Safe Shoreline Month, and we're inviting John Slomnicki and Bill Dwyer from Shoreline's Auxiliary Communication Service to join me at the podium for the reading of that proclamation. Whereas the city of Shoreline places a high priority on the safety and security of its residents, and the city council has established a goal to promote and enhance community safety and broader community connections. And whereas the Shoreline Police Department has established Shoreline Watch, among other initiatives, to engage the community in crime prevention activities and provide policing that is responsive to residents' mental health needs to include working with the North King County Regional Crisis Response Agency. And whereas shoreline emergency management focuses on community preparedness by training resi ready, residents to be ready for disasters with the Ready Shoreline, Auxiliary Communication Service, and Community Emergency Response Team programs. And whereas the months of September and October have been declared National Preparedness Month and National Crime Prevention Month, respectively, I, Keith Scully, Mayor of the City of Shoreline, on behalf of the Shoreline City Council, do proclaim the month of September 2023 as Safe Shoreline Month. If you'd like to say a few words, you're very welcome, but you don't have to. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Uh, my name is John Slomnitsky. I am the operations manager for uh, Shoreline Auxiliary Communication Service. Uh, we are the volunteer wing of Shoreline's emergency management. Uh, we provide emergency communications for our community and region. Uh, we also uh, operate Shoreline Fire's uh, communications van. Uh, Bill Dwyer is on our team, uh, very active in our neighborhoods, and uh, I hope you see us at our, you know, any of the local community events, hopefully not during an emergency. And for the members of council, and actually the community, come and see us. We'll be at Shoreline Fire's open house this Saturday. So please stop by and see us. Thank you. Thank you, John. This is yours. Yeah. <laughs> this is yours. All yours. All right. Next up is approval of the agenda. Are there any changes to the proposed agenda? All right, seeing none, the agenda is adopted unanimously. Next up is the report of the city manager, Mr. Ellington. Good evening, council. The community is invited to join the Regional Crisis Response Agency to help shape how we develop and implement crisis response services for people in behavioral health crisis in North King County. Attend an in-person session on Wednesday at Kirkland City Hall or a virtual session on Thursday. Visit the city's calendar at shorelinewa.gov forward slash calendar for all the details. Everyone who lives or works in Shoreline is invited to join us for City Learn, a new monthly series to learn about and discuss timely city issues. On Wednesday, 
join us either in person at City Hall or online via Zoom to learn about the comprehensive plan and how you can help shape this city's future. Visit shorelinewa.gov forward slash city learn for information. This Saturday, there's a shoreline walk exploring North City neighborhood and North City Park. There's no need to sign up. Just walk, meet your walk leader, Donna, at North City Elementary School. This walk is slower paced and includes a talk sharing the history of the area. There are hills, so this walk is rated as being moderately difficult. Learn more about upcoming walks at shorelinewa.gov forward slash shoreline walks. In 2022, Shoreline voters overwhelmingly approved a park bond measure that will allow us to make improvements to eight of our parks. Join us next Monday to celebrate as we break ground on the projects. We plan to substantially complete construction of all eight parks by the end of 2024. See the schematic designs for improvements and learn more at shorelinewa.gov forward slash park bond. And finally, the next public meeting on the calendar is the council's next meet Monday meeting. So we will see you first at the Park Bond Project's groundbreaking that day and then at the meeting later that evening. That concludes the city manager's report. Thank you, Mr. Ellington. Next up is council reports. Are there any council reports? Councilmember uh, Ramsdale. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I had the pleasure of uh, going on a tour um, of the International Community Health Services uh, last Thursday. Um, the, the, the leadership group consisting of Kelly uh, Nomura and uh, Dr. Lily Sperry uh, gave me a tour of the facility. I was very impressed with the services that, that they offer. 49% um, of uh, their patients are, are Shoreline residents. Um, they, the uh, services that they provide are health care, vision care, dental care, and they'll be expanding their behavioral health program on their third floor uh, in the upcoming year. Um, I also uh, attended the uh, Regional Crisis Response Program Community Visioning Center. Uh, myself and uh, Councilmember Mork attended that today, and it was an excellent conversation with uh, many residents who attended that meeting. Um, some of the uh, themes were community, were equity, accessibility, and cultural sensitivity. So, thank you. Thank you. Other council reports? All right, thank you. Next up is public comments. This is an opportunity of members, for members of the public to address us on any item that is on the agenda or of concern. We're actually having two public comment opportunities tonight. The second one is limited to the action item 8A, which is the community development block grants. So if your comments are here for about that, we ask that you wait until after the staff presentation. For every other comment, including those related to the study item on tree impacts, Now's the time. So there, I understand there's 18 people total signed up. Is that accurate, Ms. Simulchek Smith? So there's four remote speakers and we have 17 people signed up in person. So right. 21 total for a total of 42 minutes with two minutes. Council member. Mayor, I move to suspend our rules and allow each member of the public to speak for two minutes who signed up at this moment. Is there a second? Second. Second. Is there any opposition? All right, so everybody who's signed up gets uh, up to two minutes to speak, and I'm blanking on a detail. We call the live first, correct? Correct, in-person okay. speakers right. first. So, too. so we're going to call the folks who have signed up in-person first, followed by the folks who have signed up online. I believe Ms. Simulchek Smith will call three names, and if you folks can just come up and line up behind the podium. Um, and if we can turn that to get it facing us. Yes. Um, and then we are looking forward to hearing what you have to say. We ask that you begin your comments with your name and city of residence. 
the first three speakers are Daryl Scheibel, Janet Way, and Kevin um, Winnick. Winsowick? I think it's Ken Winnick. Winnick. Yeah. Okay. Trees. I've uh, launched for my nephew a tough love policy. There's four items. Collaborate, contribute, perform, and accountability. I'll let you decide how that applies to trees. Thank you. Good evening, Council. I'm Janet Way with Shoreline Preservation Society. And I know you're tired of hearing about trees. You know, well, we're tired of seeing trees falling down. Um, and this is supposed to be Safe Shoreline Month. So I want, I want us to start over right now, today, and start over with the fresh, with the new attitude about, about trees. How are we going to save more trees? With better public notice that is accurate. So if we're gonna be cutting trees down with the program, we need to alert the public that that's, that's the plan. Um, the voters didn't, a lot of voters didn't realize what they were voting for, that they were voting for trees to be cut. They thought they were just voting for sidewalks. Sidewalk solutions. Let's get some sidewalk solutions that can fix the sidewalks for disability and save the trees. There's ways to do that. I sent you some pictures, two examples in Shoreline where we've already done it. We know how to do it. There's just so much at stake. Every day, every day I hear something about going on at the city council. It's always about climate change. We're, we're doing things because climate change is, is like the most important thing. But then why are we cutting all these huge trees? We need climate justice because these trees matter to these communities. Did you know that London plane trees were planted in London to protect air quality? And the way they protect, protect air quality is because of their bark. The bark collects pollution. So the bigger the tree, the more pollution it's collecting. So let's save those London plane trees, especially those ones on Meridian Avenue. They're magnificent. Thank you. Thank you. Hi. Yeah, hi. I'm Ken Winnick. And I want to thank the council for having this meeting tonight, um, having, invited, having invited the Public Works Department and make this presentation and also the public. Um, I second what Janet said, first of all. And thank you for expressing that. And uh, I have two questions, and, and possibly these can be addressed by the folks who are giving the presentation or at some points. So my first question is, why no notice about the tree cutting? So I live on 15th. This is the card that I got a few months, uh, a few weeks before. There's, not, there's no mention anywhere on here of, and the word tree is not on, on this anywhere. 
and I went back to the website, and I think the previous mailing, if I'm correct, was about a year ago in September, and you know I don't remember from that. So there's, it says construction coming soon. So my question is, why weren't trees mentioned on this mailing? Um, I think if it had if it had been, we wouldn't be here tonight. We would have maybe talked this stuff out, and. Uh, you know, had, had actual communication with the city. And then my second question is, um, you know, on 15th Northeast, it appeared to me that there is a number of locations where the trees could have been saved. Like there is very little sidewalk um, upheaval and no, no street upheaval. So my question is, for this, what, what was it, $200 million project or, or, some, or $130 million, whatever, when, they, when the uh, city or the Department of Public Works was deciding which trees to cut and which ones to save, did they ever speak to the property owner, you know, immediately adjoining that tree? So, for example, at the 7-Eleven, there's a beautiful shade tree that I <laughs> used all the time, and many people leave used a lot of time, but I'm just about done. Um, with a slight amount of deviation or use of that parking lot, that tree probably could have been saved. Did anyone speak to the owner of that property? And with such an expensive project and the importance of trees, it would seem to be essentially a no-brainer that that should happen. Thank you, Mr. Winnick. Okay, thank you. The next three are Joanne Kimmerling, Mike Parker, and Keen NG. Council, Mr. Ellington. Thank you for putting up with more tree talks. I believe it is vital that we talk and you listen. It appears from some very recent postings on the city's website that steps are being taken either to show shoreline citizens that they are being heard or to justify past failures. Which of those actions take the lead in the future remains to be seen. In December 2021, new sidewalk implementation plan Appendix B, the KPFF engineering firm gives the cost estimates for new sidewalks to be built. A line item in that report for each project is, quote, remove tree, end quote. The total number of trees suggested be removed for the eight remaining new sidewalks is, get this, 145 trees. And that doesn't include sidewalks to be repaired. Will we be informed what alternative methods might be used to save trees in those projects? We all want the same thing, safe sidewalks and a safe, healthy living environment. We can have both of these if the city leaders and staff are willing to expeditiously step out of the past and re-examine old decisions in light of current needs and, above all, to respond to the public and keep us informed from the beginning. Thank you. Thank you. Mike Parker, bottom of the hill, Richmond Beach. Thanks for having me tonight. I'm glad to be here. They wrote it. I get to read it. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. I join with Shoreline citizens who want accessible and safe sidewalks. However, in carrying out these projects and removing numerous public trees, it seems that our city 
is ignoring its own directives laid out in the climate resolution, the emergency resolution, and the climate action plan that were passed by all of us in 2022. The stated goal for our city is to encourage people to use alternatives to driving cars. Will residents abandon their air-conditioned vehicles to walk on pavement without shade on a hot summer day? Many of the citizens who will benefit from the improved sidewalks are also vulnerable to excessive heat. I encourage the city to review every public works project to ensure that the climate resolution and the climate action plan are followed. Street trees are very valuable public assets, providing environmental protection and health benefits for all of us. I believe we can have both safe, accessible sidewalks and trees. Thanks for listening. Thank you. If, if you can pull the microphone as close to your mouth as possible. Yeah. Hi, can you hear me? Yeah. That works. Okay. <laughs> I want to talk about street trees and keeping all street trees going forward because there are bad news coming. I will tell you the bad news. My name is Keen Angie. You probably seen. Oh, let me, I'm sorry. You probably seen the various videos that I've sent so far. I've sent uh, uh, street trees along 15th Avenue Northeast, 155th Avenue Northeast, and my latest one was the 5th uh, Avenue Northeast. I was presently surprised to see that many of the trees along 5th Avenue Northeast was being saved. I could hardly believe my, my eyes. They're using a root pruning right now to save many of these trees. <clears throat> and the, 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 the thing that impressed me also is the sidewalks along Fifth Avenue, uh, many of the trees that they're saving has got way less space than those, those 15th Avenue Northeast trees and 155th Avenue trees. You go and have a look for yourself. The, 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 uh, the space in between the trees and the inside property are much less on 5th than, than on the 15th and 155th, and yet they're able to save those trees. I was surprised. It is our earnest request now, going forward, for any sidewalk rehab, for you to try to save all the mature trees, all, by using innovative techniques so that you can, like for example, the, the raised sidewalk that you had on Dayton. Maybe painted sidewalks with, with, uh, with uh, <clears throat> barriers. And many, many of the try and, and uh, evaluated method that Seattle has done. Just have a look what they have done. It's fantastic. Anyway, I want to use this opportunity to, to tell you that there's some bad news coming. You know, the coming electric vehicle wave that is coming will send toxic tire particles into the water, the soil, particularly the air. In other words, the, uh, the electrical vehicle has tire pollution problem and it will get worse as we have more electric vehicle coming. The, small, the smallest tire particles measure nanometers 
can enter our lungs and spread to our organs, potentially causing chronic condition, including thank, thank, respiratory thank problem. Thank you. So we need to save all the street trees, thank not you. cut them down. Thank, thank you. you. The next three are Janice Sino, Kelly Thompson, and Robin McClellan. Hello. Uh, this is the first time I've been inside the City Hall building. And I was born in Seattle and raised there. <clears throat> Both my parents were born there in the 1920s. But I decided to move to Shoreline because I loved the trees here, and there were more trees than where I was living. So five years ago, I moved here. And when I moved here, I, I moved into the 155th Street neighborhood, and I walked to the Twin Ponds Park a lot, and I was just shocked to see these giant trees, almost two and a half feet in diameter that were cut down. And I've lived in <clears throat> a lot of other countries. I lived in Japan for 12 years, in India for five. And in those countries, they'll preserve the tree at any cost, especially a big tree that offers shade to walkers. And I walk there every day or as much as I can. And we've lost that shade. That can never be replaced. And I noticed that Shoreline Community recently offered us as residents little trees that we can plant to like re-green the area. But these trees are like the size of my finger in thickness. And I'm 74, I'll never see that tree get any higher than this. But we have gone ahead and cut down beautiful giant trees that gave us so much pleasure and happiness that I, I really wanna request that they don't cut any more and even the streets that have already been assigned this project to reevaluate it and not cut them down. Thank you. Thank you. Hi. Hi, Council. Thanks for having us. Um, everyone just said just fantastic things. I agree with absolutely everything. So I could just throw my cards away, but I think I'm going to keep them anyway. You know, cut, these cutting down of the street trees that have been around for 60, 70 years, it's just visceral. You know, before any kind of intellectual arguments, it's visceral. Every time, I, I can't escape it. Every road you go on is just like being kicked in the gut every time. Our beautiful, beautiful trees. I, I've been a Shoreline resident, Ridgecrest, for uh, about 30 years. Um, I'm a walker, big walker, walked with my kids in strollers and uh, walk to the store, I walk my dog. So I, I get the sidewalk issues. We have a lot of issues, but primarily it's because we don't have enough sidewalks. The sidewalks we did have with the street trees were actually welcome and they uh, provided some protection from the cars right next to you and shade and they were beautiful and Shoreline's done a great job of patching up the little areas. Um, so I think, um, there's definitely issues, but mowing down all our big, beautiful street trees was not a good solution for any of those projects. And in fact, irresponsible. Irresponsible to people, to the community, to the animals, to the insects, to other regions that can't sustain a big tree canopy uh, due to weather. And it's irresponsible to the planet. And come on. 
we're, we're in, this is really big times, hundreds of trees. And like so many other people said, it doesn't have to be either growth and improvement and greater density or tree canopy. Good urban planning, intelligent urban planning, and a priority of keeping and in fact increasing trees. We'll do it. We can do it. 2023. We can do it. We can do better. Thank you. Oh, oh, hold on. So, so we don't do applause and we don't do booze. It's disruptive and we ask that you hold that in. You're welcome to say your mind up here, but once that's done, you got to stay quiet. <clears throat> Ms. McClellan. I, I didn't understand a word you just said. Okay. I, I ask people not to applaud or to boo any speakers. It can be intimidating. So I, I'm just asking folks to, to keep to themselves and we'll listen to what everyone has to say respectfully. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Robin McClellan. Um, do you need any other information? I'm just city of residence. I'm a resident of Shoreline and have been for almost 27 years. Um, I am speaking here tonight, excuse me, I'm fumbling for my notes. Um, I came here tonight to uh, speak on behalf of the Sidewalk Advisory Committee that met in 2018 and to remind those of you who were on the dais in 2018 and to inform those of you who were not um, how much thought went into the sidewalk prioritization plan. A lot of work went into that, including the discussion by an urbanist on the subject of trees. But we made people the focal point of the sidewalk plan. We had people on our committee who cannot drive, in fact, cannot see. And in order for people who need mobility, other than jumping in an automobile, driving around town, we felt that the sidewalk system, completing the 75 miles of our sidewalk system, was a major priority. The focal point of the sidewalk prioritization plan was equity, making shoreline more fair and more compassionate with regard to people who need sidewalks to trans, 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 transverse the town. Um, I, I feel so strongly about this that we did something that was important. And I would also like to say that um, we voted to increase the sales tax to raise money for a sidewalk improvement plan to construct, repair, um, complete and um, the people who supported that knew what they were voting for. Thank you. Thank you very much. The next three are Patricia Weber, Bill Dwyer, and Vivian Corneliuson. Hi, I'm Patricia Weber. I have lived in Shoreline for 30 years in North City. And I want to thank the council and others for giving us this opportunity. I have looked and reread Proposition 1 from 2018, which addressed sidewalk construction. I read the pros and cons and editorials of that time. None of them addressed the issue of trees and the magnitude of the loss. The issue was always financial cost, not environmental havoc and cost. 
shame on us, the citizens, for not asking and making that a prominent issue, but shame on the city planners and staff also for not including that information. If it was deliberate, withheld from the citizens, then that is malfeasance. If it was an oversight, then that is incompetence. Either way, these are the circumstances that lead citizens to dislike and distrust government. I doubt, really, that is the reputation you all want to develop. And so this is our chance to amend and promote tree growth and saving. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Weber. Council members, um, thank you for allowing me to speak. My name is Bill Dwyer. I've been a resident of Shoreline for about 38 years. Um, it surprises me that we're still having this conversation. This conversation, people have been bringing this up to council for the last two and a half years. And I don't, you know, I just don't understand why action hasn't been taken before now and why the citizens have to continue to come to council to try to get you to take action. I mean, I, I question whether you're listening or not. Um, I would like to ask council, what do they see Shoreline looking at, looking like 10 years from now? Are we going to be, will there be no street trees, but we'll have really nice sidewalks? Um, those in public office have a duty not to wait until their worst fears are realized. And it's the same for the public. And I think that's why you see the citizens here tonight and over the past two and a half years, we really don't want to lose all of our street trees. And please listen. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Dreyer. Yes, hello. Uh, my name is Vivian Corneliuson. I am a Shore Shoreline resident. I, in fact, I grew up in Shoreline. Um, Shoreline's urban forest sequesters an estimated 13,890 metric tons of carbon dioxide equivalent annually. The, the city of Shoreline has a story map site that shows heat island areas. 15th Northeast between 165th and 185th is a heat island zone. 100, North 155th between 6th to 10th Avenue is a heat island zone. 5th Northeast is a heat island zone. Yet 62 trees have, have or are going to be cut in heat island zones to make them worse. So as I go for a walk, because I live right off 15th Northeast, to the park, to a business that is businesses that are disappearing, you're putting me and other residents at a higher risk of heat exhaustion or heat stroke. Plus, with disappearing businesses and apartments, 
you know, we must travel further by car, by bike, waiting on that hot sidewalk for a bus, or walking. Where's the tree equity? Where's the planning for the tree protection enhancements and replacements? With a world in climate emergency, global temperatures are expected to rise, and shorelines may be repairing sidewalks, but what good is a new sidewalk if you are choosing to make it a heat island zone that harms us? Shoreline is breaking its own Ordinance 975 Shoreline Comprehensive Plan and Growth Management Plan. With the cutting of these street trees, residents will have a 60% higher air pollution because of the lack of street trees. Tree canopy is not being increased, and in fact, these heat islands are, are being made, are being created or made worse. Thank you, Ms. Cordellison. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, so the last four in person are Charles Anstett, Kathleen Russell, Pam Cross, and Betty Lynn Brown. Uh, good evening, Mayor, Council. Um, probably many of you have already seen me speak at other meetings, and most of the folks here probably know me for speaking on this issue. There are a lot of people here. Um, I suspect that this is a much larger crowd than you have uh, in city council meetings here. Um, and most of them, if not all of them, are probably here for the same reason I am. Um, I want to re respect the work that was done previously to develop the sidewalk plan. I know a lot of hard work went in and the focus on individuals and uh, the equity involved in allowing people to travel freely on the sidewalks. Uh, as the impetus for the program, that is totally commendable, and uh, putting together such a plan must have taken a lot of work. However, a lot of times, uh, information starts building up that suggests that maybe a change in a plan might be a good idea. And year after year, we're seeing the need to balance uh, environmental concerns, and specifically trees, with the other needs. Uh, my good friend here uh, complimented the city on uh, instituting some of these new uh, innovative programs that have been used for over a decade in other places, and specifically root shaving, uh, covering, covering those with steel plates. Um, however, as far as I can tell, those were not uh, originally in the plans. Uh, and also, the several trees that ended up being saved around uh, the 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 Twin Ponds area, um, they were slated to be removed. And I suspect, and I'm probably right, that they would have been taken out if it wasn't for public outrage. Um, and one last thing, um, we hope things are going to change. But as a mental health provider, I was trained, and I tell my patients this, is that the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. So there's a legacy that you all need to overcome in order to make some changes. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening, Council. Kathleen Russell, co-chair of Safe Shoreline Trees. I just want to get my facts straight here. 60 public trees were cut down. The same arborist worked on 15th Avenue Northeast. 22 trees were cut down. 155th Street, or sorry, North 155th, 32 trees were cut down. A different arborist worked along 155th. 
between 55 <clears throat> and 60 trees have been saved, and six trees were cut down. Those are the facts. We found out on the signs were posted mid-July. The trees were started to be cut down the same week the council went on three-week break. There was no way we could have saved those trees. No way at all. Before I left my house this evening, I did happen to read my email again, and I found out that Save Shoreline Trees has been giving misinformation. So I want to apologize to everyone here that that statement has been made, because that is not our intent. But we have to scratch and claw for every single information we get about these sidewalks. We have no information. The last information we have was from February 7th, 2022, pages 70, A72, A78, where it said the trees would come down, a plan by KPFF. It's preliminary, but all it does is on line nine, give trees to be removed, 145. No further information. The fact sheet that was published in 2018, oh, I have one minute, sorry. It says that the city can only use the funds by constructing new sidewalks or repairing and maintaining existing sidewalks. Thank you, Ms. Russell. Thank you. Mayor. My name is Pam Cross, and I live in the Hillwood neighborhood of Shoreline. Can, can, can we restart it too, just because? Pardon me? Just, I'm asked to restart the clock so you don't you lose those oh, 10 okay. seconds okay, adjusting you. things. <clears throat> Sorry, distance classes. I was a member of the Sidewalk Advisory Committee and have more recently been following with interest Safe Shoreline Trees. I'd learned two things. Number one, we need sidewalks. Number two, we need trees. And I don't think that we should have to choose between the two. Thank you. Thank you. My name is Betty Lynn Brown. I live in the Briarcrest neighborhood in Shoreline and have for a long time. And I want to appreciate all of you for the service that you give to our city. I really appreciate and love each of you. You may know me because of my work at South Woods, of preserving the woods to begin with, took us 10 years. And also in the process of maintaining South Woods, our next work party is the 7th of October, so all of you are invited. In any case, I've been around, I've been around the pot and found the handle. You're supposed to laugh. <laughs> when Charlie and I moved here and bought our house in, in 1987, I stood across the street from my house and I asked myself, what is my work? So I gave the neighborhood a voice. I started a newsletter, I edited it, and I distributed to everyone on every block. We had a block contact for every block. 
I want to give the trees a voice tonight. Briarcrest is, uh, it suffers from socioeconomic um, hardship. We don't have the advantages of wealth. Uh, there's a lot of disparity. But in any case, I have some questions. How will the citizens be assured that there will be no further breakdown of communication? Will our voices be heard? Who is responsible for authorization of the tree companies that they hired to fell the trees? Did the Public Works Department and staff consult with one another beforehand to find ways to minimize tree loss? Th thank you, Ms. Brown. Is that all? I that, that's okay. two minutes. Oh, okay. Thank, thank you, you so much. I have some more questions. So we also have three remote speakers. The first one is Nancy Morris. Ms. Morris, whenever you're ready. Nancy Morris, a resident of Shoreline. No one knew the, the extent of tree loss for sidewalk construction that would happen. There was no transparency in the past, regardless of what the majority sidewalk committee in 2017, 2018 may have just mentioned tonight. Uh, they made bad judgment calls. And there's not, there was no notice until just days before the trees were destroyed. We all know that. And because on seven, you know, February 7, 2022, per meeting minutes, quote, council members emphasized the importance of listening to the opinions of public early in the process, end quote. On April 4, 2022, quote, council asked staff to elaborate on the opportunities of the public has to influence the outcome prior to a permit being issued with the idea of codifying language to clarify the process, end quote. The public works department, it continued indifference to public outcry over the loss of numerous trees on 15th Avenue Northeast and North 155th Street, and future proposed tree removal is inexcusable given we are in a true climate emergency. The climate emergency was declared by City of Shoreline, August 15, 2022, Resolution 494. We all know by now why we need our urban canopy. We need our established trees and alternative design for sidewalk construction and repair that keeps the streets excuse me, street trees as much as possible, mitigates heat island effects that are a true threat to human health and replanting and have safe sidewalks. Put an immediate halt to the nine upcoming new sidewalk designs and future sidewalk rehabilitations so tree retention alternatives can be considered beyond before all is, all is beyond hope. We need, we need advance notice to make a difference. That way we can save trees before it's too late. And we have, anyway, I just, um, you know, you guys really have made mistakes here. And I think it'd be honorable on your part to admit when you have made an error and, and do something on the future tree removal projects or in sidewalk construction. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Morris. Margaret Wilson. Good evening, Margaret Wilson, Shoreline. Oh, wait, I do start. Okay. Good evening, Margaret Wilson, Shoreline. Um, a few weeks ago, crowds flocked to Mount Rainier National Park to view the Perseid meteor shower, but they didn't go there out of love and respect. They went there to party. 
and they did possibly irreparable damage to Mount Rainier's precious and fragile wildflowers. In the words of a volunteer who was there, quote, people tromped across the meadows and placed tents, sleeping bags, tables, chairs, blow up beds, barbecues, and portable fire pits on top of sensitive plants. Not only were the meadows abused, but we witnessed the park staff and volunteers abused as they tried in vain to control the crowds and protect the meadows. The degradation caused that night may take decades to recover, end quote. But what does this have to do with Shoreline's trees? Everything. Recently, the city of Shoreline allowed the wanton destruction of 50 big old Douglas firs to make way for a hot, soulless, outsized apartment building. This happened within spitting distance of Shorewood High School. And now all over Shoreline, young people are seeing whole blocks of street trees chopped down for sidewalk projects. The callous mistreatment of the natural world by our elected representatives demonstrates to young people that trees and other plants are not living beings to be treasured, protected, and treated with care, but at best resources to be consumed and at worst obstacles to be destroyed when they stand in the way of some pet project. When young people learn this lesson, they take it to heart and feel no compunction about damaging delicate plants if they want to set up a party. Please stop destroying Shoreline's trees. Please start setting a decent example for our young people. And P.S. I'd bet my 401k that Shoreline's voters would never have approved the sidewalk levy had they known how many trees would have to die. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Wilson. Okay, the Tim Fredrickson is next. However, I do not see him in the list of attendees on Zoom. Right. Mr. Fredrickson, if you're here, can you please raise your hand? He's not in attendance. Okay. Uh, the last speaker is Rob Beam, and he's going to speak during the public hearing. On CDBG. Okay. Yes. Yeah. All right. Is there anyone else in person who has not spoken who would like to speak during public comments? All right. Thank you all. I, I strongly encourage you to stick around. We've got a couple of business items in front. Many of the comments there will be addressed by staff in the staff report on study item 9A. Next up is the consent calendar. Deputy Mayor Robertson. I move approval of the consent calendar. Second that. All right. Uh, will the clerk please call the vote? Yes. Mayor Scully? Aye. Deputy Mayor Robertson? Aye. Councilmember Ramsdale? Aye. Councilmember Mark? Aye. Councilmember McConnell? Aye. Councilmember Povey? Aye. Councilmember Roberts? Aye. All right. The consent calendar passes unanimously. Next up is action item 8A, which is the uh, approval of the 2024 Community Development Block Grant funding, NIE. Yes. Good evening, Mayor and Council. Yep, go for it. Thank you. Good evening. Great. Thank you. <laughs> um, my name is Bethany Wabrek Dunn. I'm the Community Services Manager here at the City of Shoreline. I'm here today to uh, share some information regarding the 2024 Community Development Block Grant funding. And um, at the end, we'll talk about the steps that need to be taken for this funding. Uh, CDBG, which is Community Development Block Grant Funding from the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, 
uh, is an annual process that the city must undertake uh, again each year. Uh, the council does approve the human services plan on a biennial basis. In our current plan, we're in the first year of a two-year plan that matches up with our biennial budget. However, the CDBG program requires a public hearing and action on a yearly basis. And there is an estimated $318,586,000 in CDBG revenues available in 2024. We will not know the final amount until about halfway through next year. The use of these funds is guided by an interlocal that we have with King County, and that accounts for uh, about 52% of the funds. And then local decisions, uh, that's where you come in, are available to about 48% of the funding. So again, this is an annual process. It fits within that H human services plan that was approved last October, and it uses that plan as a guide going forward. And the 2023-24 biennial budget reflects the estimated CDBG funds that are available, so no additional amendments or uh, budget uh, actions are necessary. So regarding that 52% uh, that is allocated within the agreement, uh, about $79,000 go towards a major home repair program, which is managed by King County. And that is a loan program that's available to Shoreline residents. That is a loan up to $25,000 for income eligible uh, homeowners in Shoreline. It is really a pretty great uh, program that we have. It is available at 0% uh, interest and actual zero repayment. And it's only required to be repaid when the house um, goes through a title change. And that funding is then repaid and worked back into the program. There's also the Housing Stability Project, which is a rental assistance program that is managed by a local nonprofit. So that is also available for Shoreline residents to access. And the other thing that is within that 52% is program administration. And that funding is split between the city to administer all the things that go into writing the contracts, um, going through this public hearing process, uh, staff time that it takes to administer the contracts and other things related to CDBG programs. And then the county also uh, gets uh, pr is provided some administration funding for all the things that they need to do in order to receive the funding from the federal government. And in terms of local programs, um, we are recommending Sound Generations for their minor home repair program. And that is a program that we've had in Shoreline since about 2007. And that program, again, is available for income eligible uh, households in Shoreline to do, um, again, what it sounds like, miter home repairs. So anywhere from grab bars, exterior grab bars, or grab bars in the bathroom, if they need doors replaced, we've done repairs to um, fences, uh, lighting changes. Another big uh, item is um, toilets and sinks. Uh, it's really hard to remain housed if the one bathroom in your house does not work. So we're looking at safety and health and safety items going forward. And I believe the staff report mentions that we were able to assist, uh, I believe, uh, 40, uh, more than 40 households last year with about 100 and so uh, minor home repairs. So that's just one way we're trying to maintain folks in the housing uh, 
that we have and would like they would like to stay in. And in terms of uh, that contingency funding, we are recommending uh, that $42,000 remain in contingency. And based on some of the council feedback that we've received regarding the use of CDBG funds, uh, we are recommending that we add that funding with approximately 102,000 that we have remaining from prior year's contingency and plan a request for proposal in early 2024, meaning we'd be going out to ask uh, local shoreline nonprofits uh, uh, housing providers, any other eligible agencies to come forward and uh, make their case for that funding. And then that would be something we would bring back to council and recommend the use of uh, in, in uh, subsequent years. And the great thing about that is you get to decide where the funding is spent and then King County administers it on our behalf. So it's a real win-win uh, and um, I think uh, hopefully we will get some great programs or projects coming forward in that request for a proposal. So the next steps uh, tonight would be to conduct the required public hearing then discuss the staff recommendation, and then provide direction for action on 9:25. Thank you. Thank you, and I misspoke. All we're doing tonight is the public hearing. That Correct. is the action item. Correct. So we're gonna two, open the public hearing, take comments, and then it'll be time for uh, council questions, but we're not gonna take action on the, uh, the request from staff. I understand there's one person who signed up for the public hearing? Yes, Rob Beam. Whenever you're ready. Yeah, whenever you're ready, Mr. Beam. Great. Thank you. Uh, it's a pleasure to see you all again. Uh, Rob Beam, I'm here tonight uh, as a resident of Seattle, but representing the North Urban Human Service Alliance, where I serve as a board member. Um, I'm here tonight to speak on behalf of the Alliance in support of the staff recommendation on the use of community development block grant funds. Um, and also to uh, say thank you to the council and the city staff who are quite forward-looking in their use of federal and local funds to support a robust system of services to meet the needs of our residents. Uh, specifically on the CDBG recommendation, um, I was pleased to hear uh, Bethany's uh, reciting the statistics about homeowners that benefit from uh, major and minor home repair. And it strikes us that uh, by investing in these homes and keeping people in their homes, we're perhaps uh, keeping the affordable housing supply uh, larger than we might anticipate. Uh, the cost of moving out of a home that you have fully paid off uh, is very high if you have to move into some other form of housing. Kind of nice to have that benefit for our long-term residents. And I also want to lend uh, our support to the recommendation of combining multiple years of capital funding into an RFP process that will uh, bring sort of well-thought-out uh, projects forward to the council next year. Uh, in our experience watching this, uh, these funds can be very useful for agencies as they're able to meet needs they might not have had a long-term budgeting for. Uh, but CDBG is a complex funding source, and it makes sense to combine multiple years into one, lar one or multiple larger projects that agencies can plan for. So thank you for using these funds to meet the needs of our residents. And that's it for me. 
Thank you, Mr. Beam. Is there anyone else in present, present in person who would like to speak to this agenda item? All right, seeing none, I'm gonna go ahead and close the public hearing. Do we have any questions or comments from council? All right, okay. Um, this is something we've read and considered. Um, it seems to me that this is probably appropriate for consent calendar on the 25th. Is there any objection? No? All right, thank you very much, Ms. Wolverick Dunn. Thank you. Yeah. Next up is uh, study item 9A. I believe the presenter ruling is Yankee in person. Good evening, Mayor and Council. Uh, I'm Trisha Yonke, the Public Works Director, and tonight I'm here to provide you an update and discuss uh, capital projects that had tree impacts, specifically along 15th Avenue Northeast, 5th Avenue Northeast, and Northeast 155th, of which we've heard uh, tremendous public comment tonight and over the last month or so. So tonight my presentation We'll cover information about the overall sidewalk rehabilitation program, uh, also information specific to the three projects that have impacted trees over the last couple of months. Uh, I also want to share some areas where we've identified opportunities for improvement in the future. Um, and while these projects remove trees, the city does have other programs that support and uh, support trees and add trees to our urban forest uh, canopy, or urban canopy. And then I also want to talk a little bit about the Climate Action Plan as it relates to the balance uh, between sidewalk repairs and trees, because that really is what we have here, is finding a balance between these two very important elements. Um, and then also have time for you to uh, ask questions uh, and provide feedback. So to start with, there are three specific projects, um, as we've heard tonight, on 15th Avenue Northeast, 5th Avenue Northeast, and also Northeast 155th. The first two projects were part of the Sidewalk Rehabilitation Program, and the Northeast 155th project actually stems more from our annual road surface maintenance project. It is a second phase to our overlay of 155th that was completed last year. Uh, and I'll explain a little bit more on these programs in a couple of upcoming slides. Uh, as we've heard um, from several people uh, back in 2018, 2017 and 2018, there was a sidewalk advisory committee. Uh, that advisory committee's uh, primary focus was on the sidewalk prioritization plan for new sidewalks, but they also provided support and feedback on the American with Disabilities Act transition plan, which led to the creation of the sidewalk rehabilitation program. These are two distinct and different programs when it comes to sidewalk rehabilitation and the new sidewalk program. Uh, the new sidewalk program was approved by voters to build new sidewalks. It's funded by a sales and use tax. Uh, and as part of the ballot measure, 12 specific locations were identified for new sidewalks. Two of those locations have been built. One of those locations is under construction, leaving nine to still be designed and constructed. In the sidewalk rehabilitation program that we're focused on tonight is funded by a $20 vehicle license fee that was approved by council in 2018. 
This program collects about $800,000 per year to, to fund sidewalk repair and replacement. And to further support this repair and rehabilitation, council approved the issuance of over $8 million of bonds to fund and accelerate uh, the sidewalk rehabilitation and the annual road surface maintenance programs. And the bonds are split evenly between those two programs. And as I mentioned on the sidewalk rehabilitation program is, speci is a specific outcome from the development of the ADA transition plan. Title II of the American with Disabilities Act requires jurisdictions to develop a plan to make facilities and programs accessible. In 2018, we developed a transition plan that focused primarily on sidewalks within the right of way. And as part of that plan, the city inventoried all sidewalks, driveways, and curb ramps and identified over $180 million in improvements to remove barriers and improve accessibility. During the development of the plan and the discussions with the Sidewalk Advisory Committee and Council, we identified trees as the primary cause of barriers on sidewalks. The discussions included the importance of right tree, right place, uh, and that many of the trees planted decades ago were not appropriate for the spaces they were planted, and they are creating significant damage to sidewalks, curbs, and pavement. And as we develop the transition plan, We based our uh, priorities on a combination of the severity of the barriers and then the number and types of users accessing the area. And this meant we really were focusing on areas with high barriers, a lot of barriers, significant barriers, and people where there were higher volumes of people and particularly disabled users needing to access certain facilities or utilizing things such as bus routes. As we moved into the development, um, moved from the development of the transition plan and into the implementation of the sidewalk repair, we reviewed and assessed the requirements of the American with Disabilities Act. Uh, the requirements to meet the ADA are complicated. Uh, the key elements for the sidewalk rehab that we rehab program that we identified was to remove any discontinuities or bumps in the sidewalks, areas where the sidewalk has been lifted, uh, primarily due to tree roots. Uh, to provide a minimum for to provide a minimum four foot sidewalk width. However, we have identified that three foot minimum is acceptable for short segments in certain circumstances, and specifically only to match existing sidewalk, uh, not to narrow existing sidewalk. Um, and then also, uh, cross slopes on sidewalks need to be less than two percent, and running slope or the the grade of the sidewalk. Uh, needs to be less than 5%. Uh, these requirements do vary based upon if it's new sidewalk or altered sidewalk or, or repaired sidewalk, and that's part of that compl complicated issue of sorting out the right uh, standards for uh, ADA requirements. And then the city also has standards for new sidewalks that are different, uh, but again, this program is focused on sidewalk rehabilitation, and these were the uh, foundational requirements we identified uh, to meet ADA requirements. Uh, and just as an as a interesting piece of information, the ADA requirements uh, for the right-of-way are, def are defined in what's called the PROWAG, which is the Public Right-of-Way Accessibility Guidelines. We've been operating under draft guidelines for over 10 years, and just last week, uh, the Access Board did approve a new PROWAG. Uh, we are just now getting into looking at that and seeing uh, what changes have been made and how it may impact 
uh, how we've been administering this program. And so as we move forward with designs of the sidewalk, we identified uh, some guidelines and parameters to help us make decisions and to create a framework. Um, and re we, I want to identify that 15th Avenue Northeast and 5th Avenue Northeast were our first two projects within the sidewalk rehabilitation program. Um, and we identified that the program would evolve and would change over time. But as a starting point, the projects, we established a framework that included that these improvements must meet ADA standards, uh, that we needed to balance the need for sidewalk repair with tree protection and preservation. Uh, as part of the program, we anticipated that we would try new things uh, relative to tree protection and see what would work and what wouldn't work, and that we would, uh, along with that, be comparing cost and effectiveness of the various alternatives. Um, and then we also uh, operated under the parameter that we would remain within existing right-of-way. This is certainly a choice uh, that can be reevaluated and reconsidered. Uh, but there are challenges to expanding the right-of-way, not just the cost associated with purchase of right-of-way, uh, but in some places, additional right-of-way. We run in, uh, there will be additional needs such as, as walls or topography or proximity to things such as driveways that would make uh, acquisition of right-of-way uh, not necessarily be the best solution for the uh, situation. The other element that we utilize uh, has to do with replacement of trees uh, and the decision of when, where, and how <coughs> to replace trees. Uh, we've taken the approach that we do the best to replace trees where it is feasible, focusing on the right tree, right place, so we don't create similar problems in the future. We utilize the city's approved street tree list that's included in the engineering development manual that was approved by the parks tree board. Um, and in this list has a wide variety of choices for trees of planting in the right of way. And it does include a minimum width of the planting strip with which trees are appropriate. And within this list, the smallest amenity zone has been identified as four feet. So based upon this, streets with planting strips less than four feet are not suitable for new trees, which has been our operating practice. However, we are working with the city's urban forester to identify trees that may be viable in smaller and narrower locations. And again, we want to focus on the right tree, right place to ensure we protect the sidewalks in the future and the, and, and the trees. And with that, I will move into some more general project information. Um, all of these projects were designed uh, by consultants, uh, and the arborists are included as part of the consultant team. For these three projects, we had three engineering design firms and two different arborist firms. Uh, trees are creating significant damage to the sidewalk, the curb, and or the pavement. And on all of our projects, we do try to balance tree protection retention with the need for repairs and the effectiveness of those repairs. And then moving into the more specific projects, I will start with 15th Avenue Northeast. Um, and as a reminder, this is part of the sidewalk rehabilitation program that is funded by vehicle license fees. And you can see some photos here of some of the damage and the lifting sidewalks uh, that we are trying to um, improve the accessibility and meet ADA standards. 
The design of this project started in the winter of 2021, so it has been around for quite some time. Uh, the actual construction costs are about $690,000. I do want to emphasize these are construction costs, not the additional costs we've had associated with design. Uh, and again, the project objectives are to improve sidewalk accessibility, upgrade the curb ramps along this corridor, and meet ADA standards. For this project, the arborist assessed 40 trees and rec recommended removal of 24 of them. As part of the assessment, they identified that many of the trees were outgrowing the two-foot amenity zone. During construction, we identified six additional trees to try and protect and preserve. And we may use the steel sheet method that I will talk a little bit more about on Fifth Avenue. Um, but we also need to identify utility locations and see if that's a viable solution. We're still working on the details of what to do. And in some case, we may do improvements and then monitor for their effectiveness, both for the health of the tree and the longevity of the sidewalk. Now, unfortunately, on this corridor, the contractor did damage a tree that was to be protected. Um, as a result, the tree had to be removed. We are still working on the ramifications to the contractor for this significant error. We do not take this error lightly. Um, and we are working, again, contractually for how to hold the contractor accountable for that. On this project, we did not include replacement trees based upon the narrow amenity zone. Again, it's between two and three feet. Um, but we are, however, reassessing and working with the urban forester to identify species that can survive in this narrow planting zone. Uh, preliminarily, we've identified a species, primarily the service berry, uh, that will work. It is on our approved street tree list. Um, again, identified typically for planting strips a minimum of four feet, but we will look to place this in um, a, these planting strips that are two to three feet. Uh, but we will need to identify locations and we'll need to consider the proximity to utilities, curb ramps, driveways uh, as we select that. We were committed to do these replacements where appropriate, but it will not be done as part of this contract because it was not included at the, in the contract at the time of bid. Uh, we do anticipate this being done under a separate contract. Uh, on this project, we did conduct outreach. Uh, a virtual open house was um, both posted online, uh, or it was posted online and included information about the project, a brief um, video presentation, and also included links to the Arborist Report. I will acknowledge that the um, flyers and information sent out on this project did not specifically call out the impacts to trees, uh, and that is something we can improve on in the future. Moving to Fifth Avenue Sidewalk Rehabilitation Project, again, a couple of pictures of what we're trying to um, improve with on accessibility. Uh, the design on this project started in the spring of 2022, and the construction costs are estimated at about 115000 Again, it has the same objectives as 15th Avenue Northeast with regards to improving sidewalk accessibility, meeting ADA standards, and improving curb ramps. Again, we used an arborist for this project, and based upon this arborist, I took a different approach and identified only six trees for removal. Uh, but no trees are planned to be replanted on this segment, again, because of the narrow amenity zone. Similarly, we conducted uh, a virtual open house that ran concurrently with the one for 15th, 
um, that did include the link to the Arbor's report. But as has been mentioned on Fifth Avenue, uh, the project, the arborist recommended a unique method to protect these tree roots based upon their previous experience on, the pro on projects like this. Uh, this involves shaving of the roots and then bolting of steel plates to the tree roots and then pouring the concrete sidewalk over the steel plates. The new sidewalk can ramp up and over the roots, provided they still meet ADA requirements. There are limitations on how much the root can be shaved. So there can be instances of removing the sidewalk to expose the roots and based upon the size and the location of the root, the method will not work because too much root will need to be removed and the tree ultimately will, too much root will need to be removed, which will ultimately uh, require the tree to be removed based upon the arborist's direction. So far, they've exposed all of the the roots on the east side of the street and it does not look like any additional trees will need to be removed. In at least one location, in order to effectively meet the slopes and go over the roots, a driveway will need to be relocated and rebuilt. We are still working with, need to coordinate with the affected property owner for that relocation and rebuild of their driveway. This is a very labor intensive process, but it will protect and save significantly more trees. Uh, this is the type of solutions that we want to try, observe, assess, and determine where and if it is appropriate. For example, there is some information that this is not a gold, good alternative where there are underground utilities underneath the sidewalk. Uh, and as such, this may not have been a viable solution along 15th Avenue Northeast because there is a duct bank underneath the sidewalk. It's also worth noting that on Fifth Avenue, we don't see the same damage to the curb or the, the, curb or the pavement uh, that we see on both 15th Avenue and North 155th. And this method does not address the need to replace or damage curb or pavement. Then moving on to North 155th Street, uh, this is different than the other two projects as it originates out of our annual road surface maintenance program and is more focused on the repair and replacement of curb and gutter uh, that is being damaged by the trees. The project does include some sidewalk replacement, but that is not the primary focus. You can also see here some of the damage to the pavement, uh, which also serves as a bike lane. Uh, this creates an unsafe condition for bicyclists, which is a deterrent for many bike users. Uh, when we completed the overlay last year, uh, we did receive comments and feedback from bike users expressing uh, their disappointment and frustration that we did not repair the bike lanes. Again, we have this phase two in order to make some of those improvements. As I mentioned, this was part of the overlay project. Design started in 2021. Um, construction costs are estimated at 1.3 million. Um, and while much of the design work was done in 2021, the decisions with regards to removing the, the final locations for curb repairs and tree decisions were not completed until spring of 2023, shortly before going out to bid for the project. Uh, again, the, the objectives of this project are slightly different with more focus to damage of curb ramps and pavement. Uh, the sidewalk repair will be limited to the areas adjacent to tree removals associated with the curb repair. Uh, when this project is done, there still will be sidewalks that are damaged and lifted that will need to be addressed in the future. 
And on this project, the design identified 32 trees for removal, but over 50 trees remain on the corridor. Uh, because the focus is on pavement and curb repair, there are less alternatives for protecting the tree. The trees, the excavation required to rebuild and replace curb cuts too close to the tree trunks and requires removal of tree roots that, tree roots that are creating the damage. Uh, this would make the trees unviable if we were to do that level of root pruning um, and would be unhealthy for the tree. As construction started, we did identify four trees that are located within the critical area adjacent to Twin Ponds. And while the project itself was exempt from SEPA, it is not exempt from critical areas requirements. Uh, we discovered we needed an additional risk assessment from the arborist to evaluate the removal of these trees in the critical area and based upon the current, and we were not able to get that done in time based upon the contractor schedule. So we, as a result, uh, the trees will remain and the improvements will not be done at this time. For this project, we identified, we worked with our urban forester to identify a species that will work, three species actually, that will work in a three and a half foot amenity zone. As a result, 25 to 32 replacement trees have been identified for this project. The exact numbers and locations still need to be determined, again, based upon proximity to driveways, intersections, other utilities, et cetera. Uh, outreach was very limited on this project and did not include an online open house or much more than construction notifications. Uh, this does not align with our normal practices, and I don't know why we really didn't conduct more outreach on the project. And we certainly have taken uh, the feedback we have heard from um, the community and have taken it to heart and do understand and were committed even before to finding a balance between protecting trees and sidewalks. But we have also identified several areas uh, within our program uh, that we will continue to learn, or as I mentioned earlier, we want to continue to learn and enhance these programs. Uh, and we've identified several opportunities moving forward um, for these and other projects. Uh, first, we need to increase our outreach and transparency, including enhancing the use of our website to increase information that's available, including specifically identifying information regarding trees. Uh, we can increase our outreach and make sure we highlight there are uh, in, the impacts are, uh, to trees are included in our outreach materials. Uh, in general, at about 60% design is when we have a pretty good idea of which trees will be impacted or will be considered for removal. Between 60 to 90%, we continue to refine the design and look for opportunities to protect trees. But from a public outreach perspective, 60% is a good milestone to understand the tree impacts and get community input. Uh, and then we can also make sure our staff reports to council are very clear about the uh, impacts of tree removals, even when we're just looking at a contract award so we don't catch you off guard as well. And then as we continue to proceed, we do intend to continue to expand our toolkit for options and alternatives. Uh, there's never going to be a one-size-fits-all for protecting or retaining trees, as there's too many things that are just site-specific, uh, but we'll continue to expand our knowledge and base on what, where, what we try and where. Uh, in doing so, we'll need to monitor the longevity and the effectiveness. As an example, on 15th Avenue, there are numerous places where repairs have been done previously, but the tree roots have continued to lift up the panels and the old repairs are no longer effective. Uh, we need to consider if repairs will be effective for two years, 10 years, 
uh, or longer and include that in our decision making as far as what repair is correct for the right location. Uh, we also need to do cost comparisons and evaluate and balance the needs to repair sidewalks and the need to protect and preserve trees. As I showed at the beginning of the presentation, we have over $180 million in barriers uh, that need to be fixed. And these are not all sidewalks, um, but we do have a significant amount of work to do. And our funding is less than $800,000 a year to make these much needed improvements. Uh, there are costs and trade-offs that need to be considered on improving accessibility and preserving, or improving accessibility and preserving trees. It is a balancing act, uh, and we will continue to work in that space to try and find that balance. And then we also want to examine how we how to best utilize our consultants, uh, design engineers, and arborists. We will continue to be dependent on them based upon our staffing and based upon our experience levels. Um, and using consultants is good because I'd also, we are relying on the experiences that they have elsewhere, such as the arborist on Fifth Avenue that brought a new technique to the table for us. Um, but we want to explore options on how to better uh, provide expectations uh, in using our consultant partners. And then I want to move into a little bit of a different direction and discuss other programs that the city has that supports our urban tree canopy and trees throughout the city. Because it's really important to look at the city's programs overall and not just focus on a project by project basis. In general, urban forestry program <coughs> resides within park fleets and facilities. And then within this program, they plant trees within the right of way and on other city properties. Over the last three years, they've planted 123 trees in the right-of-way. Many of these are along 9th Avenue Northeast, uh, which is in close proximity to the projects we've been discussing today. Uh, and they've also partnered with Green Shoreline to plant trees, shrubs, and native plants on other city property. There's also the Community Trees Program that provides free trees to residents to plant in their homes. In 2022, residents planted 119 trees. Yes, these are small trees, and they will take significant time to grow, uh, but they are new trees. Uh, and in 2023, they are looking to expand the program to allow residents to plant these trees in the right-of-way. The city also participates in the Tree for, Tree for Rail program, um, which focuses on re-greening the Linwood Link Corridor with native trees and shrubs. So while these public works projects are removing trees, uh, the city does have other programs focused on planting trees and in increasing the overall tree canopy. And it's important, again, to look at, these pro to look at the city's efforts on a whole rather than just limiting on a project-by-project -project basis. And providing a little bit more insight into the city overall, uh, the city recently completed an urban tree canopy assessment in June of 2023. This will be coming before council in the next several weeks. Uh, but in 2021, which is when the, the data was collected, 37% uh, of shoreline is covered by tree canopy. Uh, this compares to 28% in Seattle and 34.6% in Edmonds. Uh, between 2017 and 2021, the urban tree canopy increased slightly by approximately 10 acres, or 0.1%. Uh, but what is significant about this is when you take it into consideration the loss of tree canopy as a result of light rail construction and development during that time frame. So the natural growth and the additions to the existing canopy have been able to overcome the losses due to light rail. 
uh, more again more details will be coming to you on this uh, urban tree canopy assessment in the next few weeks through the parks fleet facilities and then I want to address a couple items relative to the climate action plan and I this is the wrap-up because I know you have lots of your own questions um, and I appreciate your patience um, uh, that the so council did adopt the climate action plan in December of 2022 and as you may recall there were four key four main focus areas uh, one focus area is on transportation and mobility including a strategy to reduce community-wide driving. Uh, we are looking to encourage and promote a mode shift of getting people out of cars to walk or bike. Uh, this requires us to build more sidewalks and improve the existing sidewalk network so people can safely get places without reliance on cars. But similarly, there's a focus area on ecosystems and sequestration with a strategy to maintain and increase the tree canopy and urban forest. Uh, this can be accomplished by preserving existing trees and planting new trees, being thoughtful about protecting trees while building new sidewalks, and updating our regulations around tree retention um, and planting. But both of these strategies are critical to meeting our goals and reducing our climate footprint, uh, and there will continue to be that tension as we repair and replace sidewalk and build new sidewalk to support shifting people away from cars while protecting and preserving trees. Both need to be taken into consideration as a whole in order to meet these aggressive goals. And with that, I will be happy to answer your questions. Thank you, Ms. Junkie. I wanna have just a prefatory comment and I'll open up to council members. So this is a study item, but it's not a study item that will be followed by an action item. The council's role is to set policy and approve budgets, and it then gets handed over to staff to implement. We, of course, also have an oversight role so we are learning things today, and Ms. Yonke is going to be hearing our opinions, and she hears them in many ways, just as she hears yours. But we're not going to be taking a vote to change this particular project, because that's not really within our authority to do so. So with that intro, council member comments and questions. Council member Ramstow. Uh, thank you, Mayor. Um, so I, I, uh, I think, I mean, I think the overall, um, message I've heard from uh, the community is that they wanted more um, uh, outreach and more communication prior to the trees being um, taken down. And I appreciate you taking responsibility for the fact that that did, that that did not happen. Um, and I'm glad to hear that there will be steps taken in the future to kind of reach uh, outreach to the community because I think collaboration with the, with our residents is extremely important. Um, I, I do think I appreciate your words on balance, you know, that we have to balance the needs of our uh, more vulnerable citizens who are not able-bodied, who are disabled or elderly. And, and I mean, I drove down 15th Avenue very slowly to kind of take a look at those trees that were taken down and looked at those and I you know, looked with my own eyes at what what those uh, sidewalks looked like and they were like it was it was awful you know and I can see how um, I mean and I worked for for over 20 years I worked um, uh, for aging and display for 10 years for aging and disability services with the city of Seattle uh, I worked uh, with veterans who were homebound um, uh, and who were suffering from mental illness and uh, um, so I, with, that, with that lens, I was kind of looking at the sidewalks, thinking like, okay, how is, how is somebody with a wheelchair going to you know, kind of go down the, uh, make it on these sidewalks? And it was pretty clear to me that that was not gonna be the case. So I was, when I looked at the trees that were uh, cut down, I was like, that makes sense. 
Um, I, uh, after talking to other re residents and, and um, asked you a lot of questions over the last 24 hours, and thank you for responding, um, I uh, um, uh, have come to, you know, come to the opinion that you know, trees and sidewalks can exist together, but the appropriate trees and sidewalks can exist together. And the trees that were uh, planted on that sidewalk um, that, that, were, that were cut down seemed like the very aggressive roots, root systems that were uplifting the, uh, uplifting the sidewalk, and I just didn't see that there was going to be a, um, uh, a reasonable solution to leave, leave the trees, put, put new sidewalks in. I would think in two to three years, those sidewalks would be uplifted again. I don't think that would be a really good use of taxpayer money. So um, I, I was uh, concerned about the fact that there, are, that there was no plan to replant any trees, and I did ask you that question. I did. I cited the Seattle Department of Transportation uh, list of six trees that were that could be planted in small narrow areas that didn't have aggressive uh, root systems, and I was really glad to hear that there are that there are plans to plant um, replant um, uh, uh, trees that would be more appropriate in those locations along along 15th Ave. So um, those are just my those are just my comments. I'd like, like to emphasize I would like to see. Um, uh, uh, some sort of a, a, a policy where there are there is going to be trees replanted in in that area that are, have non-aggressive root systems that will create some shade for um, for our disabled and uh, and, and able-bodied uh, pedestrians to use the to use those sidewalks. So um, that's the only comment I have. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Councilmember Povey. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, first of all, it's exciting. Uh, director, you have earned my respect. Not that you didn't have it earlier. I'm just kidding. But uh, for for throughout your presentation, to acknowledge and accept that there was uh, some kind of uh, a flaw or possibly an oversight, somewhere is humbling. And many people don't usually do that. Okay. As a budget analyst, uh, professionally, you know you budget and you make projections. You predict this was going to happen, and then time comes and there's inflation. And so what happens is budget amendment, and we can relate that with projects or capital projects. And so there are times when it's necessary to make changes. I like what one of the uh, people that spoke said. You know, it's not about sidewalk or about trees. It's about how we work together on it. Things have changed since 2017 through 18 and even through 2022. And uh, it's necessary for us to look at the future, I want to say. There must be some way, especially transparency, when it has to do with a huge capital project like this. And I appreciate that you acknowledged that. I want to thank the city manager for making it possible, and just uh, mayor especially for having this on the calendar. So I've been thinking about what really went wrong and what can be done right. And I think most of these things could have been better if we involved the people. You mentioned 60% through to get the people involved. If at all possible, I want to go back and start from 40%. Thank you, Mayor. If I can just make one comment on that. A lot of our projects, we do do outreach at 30% and 60%. Again, a lot of our projects like the new sidewalk program, I would expect us to have two rounds of outreach. That is much more our norm. Um, I'm just saying it's 60% uh, could, because we get asked the question a lot of when do you know what the sidewalk impacts are. We're a lot more firm about it at 60%. At 30%, we've identified potential impacts. Again, it's still a good opportunity for involvement in feedback, but at 60%, we have a lot better idea of what we've been able to work around and what we can't work around. 
So uh, let me let me follow up with a question related to that rather than coming all the way back to it. If we know at 30% that there are potential impacts, what public outreach is done at that point? So again, a lot of our projects, and I'll really speak to our new sidewalk projects, we do do an outreach series at about 30%. Uh, we typically have a base map with survey that shows uh, the tree locations. And we typically, at that point, will show what a standard sidewalk will look like. And in that case, when you just put a standard sidewalk, it often will show the worst case impacts to trees. And then from there, we evolve and reduce down opportunities and look at opportunities uh, to reduce those impacts. So I would say it's fairly typical for us to do outreach at 30% and 60%. What specific outreach is done at 30%? Oh, what is it usually? Yeah. So most of our outreach uh, these days since COVID is in the form of virtual or online open houses. Uh, we send out uh, mailings to the most closest property owners. I don't know the distance. Um, we may put information in currents. We may put information out through social media that identifies that we're having an open house and on the website. Uh, and again, there usually there's a presentation that you can uh, view um, just on your web browser and provide comments and feedback. Uh, and then sometimes we also do more of a live presentation or a recorded audio presentation that goes along with it. It does include an opportunity for public comment. Okay. Our, our website is dense and I think it has to be because it's got so much information and everyone who's interested in something wants it there. I get that. Yeah, it's but hard. I also hear and share the frustration that if I live outside of a neighborhood and I care generally about trees, I find I have a hard time navigating it. So what can, is there anything you have, or you're already doing or you could do to improve accessibility if what you want to know is when is the city cutting trees? It's a great question. Uh, we had a brief conversation with this uh, a week or so ago, uh, myself included with our parks, fleet and facilities and our parks, cultural recreation services. Uh, because you're right, trees are touched in several places on the website, yeah. uh, and and you don't really want to have the information in multiple places. But how can we put some of these links uh, on the city's overall tree page that then would link them to the project page, and the project page would then have the more detailed information? So we're still looking for how can we best find the best places to get that information out there. Uh, and link it to the more project-specific locations. All right, I'll return to that, but I'm out of turn. Who, who would else would like to speak? Who, uh, sorry, I'm sorry, are you done, Councilmember? You, you, uh, you asked one of the questions, so I'll somebody to ask. Oh, so sorry. Are, are you done? Okay, Councilmember Mork. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to have this study session. Ms. Yonke, I really appreciate the effort that you put in uh, to develop this and to acknowledge errors that were made and to uh, really discuss the whole thing um, as best you can at this time. I, as you can tell, there is a real interest with my fellow citizens in trees and in transparency. And uh, I think that is extremely important and that those are errors that uh, we need to make sure we get resolved. I really like the mayor's line of questioning. It needs to be very easy and simple to see. I also appreciate your taking the time to distinguish between the various programs. The program that was associated with the, the levy, 
that was for new sidewalks and the maintenance and repair that were associated with the other ones. Thank you for providing that uh, level of discussion. Uh, your answer to the mayor on the 30%, might that be available not only on the new sidewalk projects, but on the maintenance projects as well, in your view? Yeah, probably. Again, sometimes they move through, uh, not all projects go through those same milestones. It might be more of a 45% check-in versus a 30-60, or it might, you know, but yeah, uh, there, there definitely could be opportunities for two check-ins per project. Thank you. I, I really think that's important, and I really think it's important for all of us to be um, thinking about what kinds of things are possible uh, in order to be able to get there. Um, I really agree. I'm so proud of our city. We, we, so many people commented both on wanting ADA and wanting people, disabled people to be able to walk or people with strollers and on saving trees. And those are two values that I think so many of us in the city really have. The other thing I was gonna, I wanted to understand better is uh, what you value trees are. One of the things that, that we have talked about and many letter writers wrote was trees are an asset. And I definitely agree that street trees and trees in general are an asset. And they're unusual in that they uh, increase in value the bigger they are. How does the city uh, value trees as part of your equations and your calculations on whether to remove or not or spend money for a mitigation plan? Yeah, we currently don't have a method or mechanism where we place, per se, a dollar amount on a tree. Uh, it's not that it can't be done. Um, there certainly are ways to do that. Um, and there is ways then to utilize that, uh, understand the value of that, and, and again, use that as part of the trade-off when we're comparing costs of other construction elements or the value of um, uh, enhanced, or, you know, accessible sidewalks. Um, Particularly, I think part of based upon our uh, email exchanges is really talking about how do we do this relative from an asset management perspective. Um, and this is certainly an area as a city we have an opportunity for growth. Uh, it's a, there's a lot of steps and we're in different levels of maturity in our asset management programs based upon our asset type. Uh, but the first step in an asset management program is to have a good inventory. Uh, and our parks, fleet, and facilities is working on the inventory of trees. We do not have a complete inventory of trees at this time. Again, it is something they're progressing year by year to increase and enhance uh, that inventory. Once we have a full inventory, and if that inventory included a value of the trees, um, then it makes it a little bit easier to make sure we have some consistency as far as how we're making decision making. Now that does not mean that we cannot value trees until we have an inventory and a dollar value on it on a tree. I'm just saying that is a place we could get to as far as evolution of asset management. But we certainly on our projects can be looking uh, more quantitatively um, about what are the value of these trees. Again, we're getting arborist reports that talk about size, type, health, condition of the tree, um, and we can do more to look at how do we value that tree relative to the other assets that we're trying to maintain and protect. Did that address your 
Uh, yes, ma'am. Uh, very much so. I, I really appreciate that, and my colleagues up here know my interest in asset management and in putting real, a more realistic understanding of what things are worth. On the other side, uh, new trees, do you, uh, when a tree is planted, I'm concerned that uh, I understand what the city does to make sure that they survive. Uh, do you consider when you're planting a new tree, do you include costs for a maintenance plan for them or how, how do you do that? Yeah, on our capital projects um, that do install new trees, we do have an element called a, a plant establishment period um, that does require the contractor to be responsible for the trees and the other plantings uh, for a period of time. Uh, and if in that period of time the tree or the other plants die, then the contractor's on the hook to plant a new one. Um, but I am not the best one to speak to what the city does relative to maintenance, um, ongoing maintenance to our other trees and street trees in the right of way or on other city property. Uh, that's better left to be answered by Parks Fleet and Facilities. Thank you. Other questions or comments? Yeah, go for it. Uh, thank you, Mayor. Um, it's really curious. You mentioned that the, the arborist on Fifth Ave uh, used a different technique and that, that was able to maintain more trees. I'm kind of wondering, like balancing the ADA you know, requirements and versus like res, uh, saving the trees. Like, I'm wondering if that was if that was done, if that was able, if you're balanced, you know, it's always kind of a balancing act. I'm wondering if that was, how, what was a different technique and how, how did it result in so many trees being saved? Yeah, so, so the so different so. technique is what we're calling the steel sheet, the oh, okay. steel plate okay. method, okay. Uh, where we hand, sh well, they shave the tree roots um, and then put steel sheets on them, and that steel sheet prevents the root from them uplifting on the steel sheet. It tends to cause the roots then to go down and outward. Um, that way we aren't uh, seeing uplifting on our sidewalks after we pour new sidewalks. That's at least the intent. Uh, but it is a balancing act to then make sure that we're removing enough root so that we can get adequate slope to meet ADA compliance. Um, so uh, it is fascinating as I as I've walked it and talked to the arborist and learned more about it. I was very skeptical um, when I first heard about it, but uh, certainly walking it uh, made a big difference. Um, and I'm very intrigued to see how this works. Thank you, Councilmember McConnell. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I wanted to echo what I've heard from other council members. Thank you, uh, Miss Junkie, for um, really. Uh, going deeper with all the public comments because I've worked with you over the years and I'm really proud of your um, place in this com in this community of Shoreline and, and in our department because you do take it seriously the issues that you've heard and where you can you do you do bend and and you try to find a solution which must be exhausting for you but um, that's your pay, pay grade and not mine so but I really want to let everyone know how much I've appreciated your uh, work over the years and it's showing in you saying we could have done better. Um, that, that was one of my first comments that obviously, for me, people always heard perceptions everything. The 
the community perceives that there was some miscommunication or lack of it or none at all, whatever they perceive, because we know, we see these things all the time on the website, but it is overwhelming. And um, I think the one thing I would recommend is if there's any trees involved, put a lot of tree words in there because that will maybe wake up um, the community that there are trees involved in a project and, and someone like Miss Way will definitely dig deeper and help her community uh, you know, be educated. So, um, so that's the first thing. The other thing is, I'm really glad that you, you um, staff could share the percentage of tree canopy that we actually have increased because um, even for Edmonds, who doesn't have high rise buildings down in the waterfront, they're still falling behind us. And for every percentage, uh, I, I did the math somewhere, but it's irrelevant. It's hundreds of acres of tree canopy that we have over some of our um, neighboring cities. Seattle, we, we don't even want to compare ourselves to Seattle because that's why we're not living in Seattle, all of you, because you don't want that kind of environment. Um, and I have a lot of other notes, but I wanted to, to uh, just get the most important ones because I always like to give my other council members uh, opportunity to say something. Um, we have been buying acres of park and open space. And that is because we know that we're underserving, uh, you know, that's an area that we're underserved and we will continue to underserve because of the, the uh, number of people that are gonna be coming with all of our newer developments. So that is somewhat invisible to a lot of the people, but we get that we have to keep finding more open space, more trees, et cetera, et cetera. It makes me sad too to see those trees gone. Um, I have actually a tree from that project, and it is small. And, it, and in this day and age, it's really hard to save to keep a tree that young alive because we've got global warming, as everyone's gonna um, in this room it, uh, knows, and I'm watering it all the time, and I'm still crossing my fingers that we can save it. So it's really hard for the, the city to try to maintain some of these new trees because of the intense heat that we're experiencing. Uh, and uh, let's see. The other thing is that your report was pretty extensive and it actually uh, did touch upon some things that the public had wrong. So I do want people to read your reports because it does take a lot of work. Um, and I, for one, think we're never gonna satisfy the community of people who want to save every tree. I get it. Uh, but we're up here, we have to weigh so many other things, and it's not a fun job. I can tell you that most of us are probably not having a lot of fun emotionally thinking about the pain of tree loss, but uh, I'm still up here trying, and I have been protesting trees that were savable, so I will continue to do that, but there are some trees that just you know, we need some decent sidewalks for, oh, the last thing that's really important, that Fifth Avenue is the corridor between two light rail stations. We need mobility for people who are gonna be walking. We want them to walk the two miles instead of getting in the car and trying to find parking in one of those stations. So that, that strip of sidewalk is horrible for 
for um, for even walkers, uh, let alone somebody who might have to have wheels on a stroller or a wheelchair. And uh, we're we're just never going to get it all right. And I'm I can personally say I'm sorry for uh, for that, but we're going to keep trying. Okay. But thank you very much for your report. Councilmember Roberts or Deputy Mayor Roberts, comments initially. I'm not. You don't have to. <laughs> Let me go. All right, Deputy Mayor. No. All right. So I, I had a couple. I wanted to follow up on what we, we touched on earlier. So I, my question was, when do we know? And it sounds like we have a good. I we have a sense at 30 percent. We know fairly well at 60. So I'm hoping we can sort of maximize public notice. And I would appreciate it if you could get back to us on a website change because we, you know, I've been doing this for eight years, so I'm doing it for longer. This is going to be important to the community every time. Every project that impacts trees is gonna be important. So we should have an area where it's easy to get at that piece of information. And okay. I totally get that it's, it's challenging because there are also folks who need to know a lot of details about a lot of other things too. But for trees, I think we, we should have a place where you can go and see which public works project, which city projects are gonna impact trees. Um, you also mentioned that on the postcard that goes out, we could add, are we going to do that? Yes, that's one of our recommendations. That's one of the recommendations, okay, great, great. So in terms of notice, I appreciate that. A couple other general comments. Um, you talked about some alternative measures. One of the things that communities ask about is possibly rerouting a sidewalk, including by either voluntarily or acquiring by eminent domain private property in order to change the sidewalk design. Is that in the existing toolkit of things you consider? That's one that I think we need to reconsider. Uh, as I showed on the slide, our toolkit on these two projects was to stay within existing right-of-way. Uh, there are places where we do still move right-of-way. Sometimes the trees are on the back of the sidewalk, yeah. and so we move the sidewalk next to the curb so that we can protect the trees. When the trees are in the amenity zone and the sidewalk's right against the right-of-way, then we need to look at acquisition of property uh, and or easements. Um, so that's certainly something we can explore. Again, there'll be trade-offs relative to costs associated with purchasing right-of-way. And then also is the topography acceptable? What's the proximity relative to the house? If we're now expanding the right-of-way, are we creating any non-conforming uses relative to setbacks? Um, so it's just another layer that we will need to explore. But I do think it is appropriate in certain places. Yeah, I took a look at one of the ones that got, I drove and I got in my car. And one of the trees. Um, we all have. We all have. Um, one of the trees on 15th, it was, you know, it was a private property fence and then a fairly steep drop off. And I just thought, that's not realistic. But there certainly are other areas where it seems like maybe we could. So I would encourage you to, mm -hmm. to use that tool. And of course, staff gets to weigh ultimately whether spending another $100,000 and meaning we can't fix another block later on, whether that's an appropriate trade-off. But, but I would encourage you to keep the toolkit as broad yep. as possible because some folks have mentioned, gosh, if that was my yard, I'd donate it. And that may or may not be true, but if we can at least ask, I think that would be, be great. Agreed. Um, a couple of other just notes. Um, I've never loved our approved tree list because it's got one native on it, <laughs> and that's a vine maple. Love vine maples, but it's not a tree. Um, and they t it tends to focus on the smaller trees. And right tree, right place, totally on board with it. But it seems to me that there are some places where we can start planting big trees. And we've all been in neighborhoods where you get the green tunnel. And talk about like mental health, just being there is great. And I don't, we can't do that in a lot of places. It's, it, it, there's, not, there's constraints and there's private property and all the rest. But where we can, I, I, I'm hoping our approved tree list can accommodate 
maybe there's a space we can put a big leaf maple. You know, I mean, if, if we can do it, maybe we should. And I, I'm sure you would do that anyway, but I'm just weighing in that I, I hope we're not constrained to that list of fairly small non-native trees as the only options. Yeah, I mean, I will leave most of that to, again, parks, fleet, and facilities that uh, yeah. manage it, and the Parks and yeah. Tree Board that manages that approved street tree list. Um, most of the capital projects where I'm working on, again, we either have a very narrow two to three foot amenity zone, or we're working with more of our standard five foot amenity zone. Some of those larger trees, you need more of a seven, eight, 10 foot amenity zone, which you do find and see in Seattle. Uh, I have one of those in front of my house with a great big tree that is busting up the sidewalk as well. Um, but we, we just right now don't have amenity zones that really can accommodate some of those very large trees. Um, but as our parks, fleet, and facilities is planting trees in right-of-way, there are some isolated places where I think we have wider, um, and I will leave that to parks, fleet, and facilities and the okay. urban forestry program to make those decisions. Right. Um, just one, two other quick notes. One is that we've got our urban forest plan review coming up. I, mean, I have encouraged Parks Board to think big on it. I think we all have to increase our planting programs um, because, you know, it, it, it's unfortunate to see a net loss of trees even if we don't have a net loss of canopy. My final comment was on canopy. I don't love it as the gold standard. I mean, I think it is an important measure, but it, it measures spread. It measures coverage. It doesn't measure volume of trunk, nor does it measure species diversity in that. And if you look at my yard, I've got a dogwood that gives me great coverage. And I've got a bunch <laughs> of firs that don't look like much from the air, but in fact are much more valuable. And I haven't come up with a better tool. And I, what I heard from you tonight is very encouraging, which is that that is one measure. And I hope we continue to view it that way, that we don't just say, gosh, our tree canopy actually grew last year, so we're done. Right, we, we've solved trees. Um, so. Correct, and again, I will leave that to parks, fleet, and facilities. That's their and our, and our urban forestry program. Okay. Uh, we do rely on them. We do consult with them. Again, yeah. their resource availability is somewhat limited, but they are a great resource, and I have a lot of uh, trust and confidence in relying on them. Okay. Councilmember? Uh, thank you, Mayor, and uh, your comments and uh, some other comments have triggered some some thoughts. Uh, I, I hate it when I do that. I <laughs> want to ask. Um, the first question is sort of very specific, I think, and you've mentioned a couple times that your, our mailings are to property owners. Is it property owners or is it to the property owners and the people who are living in those uh, structures? That's a great question, and I feel like I've had this answer before, and I feel like I'll get it backwards. Uh, I think we go after both the address, the physical address, and the property owners, but I do want to confirm that, um, and I can get back to you with that answer. Okay. Because, again, I feel like I get it, I could get myself flip-flopped backwards very easily. Right. No, I understand. It's sometimes easy to most of the property owner, but who may not be living in that Correct. facility. Correct. Um, one of the things that struck me in terms of the, how these different uh, corridors are being repaired is that it seems to be a question the who the auditor or who the um, arborist was seems to, to have played a major role in terms of concepts that were being uh, used and considered in designing these repairs. Has there been any thought in giving, thinking about what are the trade-offs between using contractors for, and continuing to use contractors for arborists versus finding the funds to have an in-house um, 
arborist who can provide consistency across projects, whether it's uh, the sidewalk repairs for new sidewalks, for uh, health of our park system. Has there been any thought given to staffing? Uh, specific to these projects, and since we've been addressing these projects, we have not had that discussion. Again, I'm sure uh, our urban forestry team would have lots of ideas and opinions about uh, the value of having uh, more on staff urban forestry. Um, and that may be a very good, a viable solution that we should discuss and explore more. Um, but we do get advantages out of our consultants is that they come with a variety of different experiences. And so they can bring what they've done on other projects um, to our city and to our projects versus if we are just kind of in the same mode of this is how I did it last time and this is how I'm going to do it again, then that doesn't get us to new and progressive ideas. So I think there's a balance and trade-off there, but I certainly can uh, and explore and discuss with uh, our parks, fleet, and facilities, and particularly it might be a good discussion when we uh, move forward with the next uh, biennial budget about the value of in-house urban forestry versus consultants. Thank you, and I appreciate that. And look, I think that's a good discussion that we should have um, because I think at the end of the day, I mean, I, consistency is is important. Um, but as you said, I mean, sometimes there are advantages of having new ideas brought forward. The other question I have is, um, I think, it's more specifically to what the mayor talked about in sort of thinking about standard designs for sidewalks and but even beyond that what are the standard and we've had this discussion a few weeks uh, ago about um, Linden is thinking about what our thinking about the sort of standard design for streets in general are if we're trying I mean we have um, the Green Street demonstration project in the Briarcrest neighborhood uh, where I think we were able to do a lot of work in terms of providing amenities uh, street trees um, other and this other cities have similar pro demonstration projects that work really look really good and work really well for uh, cyclists and pedestrians um, provides lots in, in Briarcrest I know it provides a lot of shade uh, but what that means is thinking about sort of the road network and not prioritizing sort of very straight very often very wide um, paved roads. And so the question is, when we think about these, either these, the new sidewalk project, especially the new sidewalk projects, I mean, how much, is there any consideration to rethinking the overall right of way rather than sort of, okay, we have this road here, we're not going to touch the road, we're not, we're just, we had now have are limited and okay, we have six feet of right of way or we have 10 feet of right of way to put in a new sidewalk. Yeah, we do have those discussions and it applies to capital projects and development. Um, a lot of our roads have a lot of pavement and we can narrow the street in order to create more space for bike lanes, amenity planting strips, sidewalks. Um, so we do have within the engineering development manual uh, a street matrix uh, that does kind of lay out what our vision is for streets as far as it should be two lanes, they should be 11 foot wide lanes, and then there should be a five foot amenity zone and a six foot sidewalk and a foot behind the sidewalk. and. That mostly adds up to, oh, and maybe there's on-street parking, or sometimes we don't have on-street parking because we have bike lanes. So we do kind of have that vision, but we do need to revise that vision, 
a lot of times for specific projects, specific locations, particularly as it relates to development. Uh, and then we look at it even differently on capital projects. Um, so I do think there's ways, um, a lot of our street systems have been catered towards cars and we can narrow what is the space that cars need and provide additional space within the right-of-way for bikes and um, peds and we can get creative. Um, it's not always easy to find that creative balance um, and certainly the more space we have, the more opportunities we have to be creative. Um, but again, we're trying to find those balance and we're looking for new and different ways to do that. And certainly the how many times you have to cut through the sidewalk, I mean, makes a huge difference in terms of what can be done. Driveway um, locations, number of driveways. Right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Mayor. Councilmember. Thank you. Uh, Councilmember Roberts' question has also triggered my question. Last one. <laughs> Stop first of all, doing that. <laughs> first of all, I think we all want safe uh, uh, sidewalks, safe for everyone to walk on. And so I don't think any of us is disputing that fact. My question has to do with timelines. Do we have to, or are we under any obligation to implement a design which was done two years ago, possibly under weather conditions or climate conditions, which is totally different from what we have now, and even looking at uh, improvements of technologies. So if I understand that correct, are you saying that uh, because we started the design two years ago or some previous amount of time, is there opportunities for us to rethink that design? And that's not right, yeah, considering the uh, cost that comes with it. Yeah, that's an that's a interesting question. It's a balancing act. That's going to be my standard answer. It's a balancing act because by the time you move a certain phase through design, if you want to go back and rethink, then you're going to go back and you're going to spend a lot of money again to try and catch up uh, to where you were. Um, so I think there's places that that's probably the right thing to do, um, but there's also elements like we don't, we'll design to a certain standard. Uh, we kind of set that standard at a certain point and just because the standard changes, you know, a week before we go out to add, we don't go back and redesign. Um, so there's somewhere there's a line that we have to draw that we have to keep moving forward. Or I shouldn't say have to. We choose to keep moving forward versus going backwards just from a cost-effective basis. Um, but there is opportunities for us to reassess and reevaluate. And particularly sometimes we're just, we can incorporate small things into a project that can have a big impact. Um, did I answer that or not that is answered but it's um it's okay. complex it's, it's, there's it's not com an easy there's not an easy one answer right but uh, the end goal is to uh implement a project that benefits the community yes okay so not necessarily thinking about the cost that comes with it well i do think there's an element about evaluating the cost relative to the community because again we're stewards of our taxpayers dollars that are not unlimited. And so that to me becomes part of that balancing act as well. Yeah, I agree. So, but what I'm asking is, are we under any obligation? Because we are our own people, we care for the people. Remember, nobody cares how much we know, but they want to know how much we care. And so I'm thinking, are we under any obligation or can we do, uh, think through, I don't want to use the word do the right thing, but I'm thinking, are there any other alternatives that can be considered? and not feel that this is what we designed two years ago, and so we have to. 
implemented? I don't think so. No. Okay. No. Further questions or comments? All right. Thank you very much. I appreciate this. And I respect that you all stayed. I really, I really appreciate that. And I look forward to hearing from all of you in the future with, with your thoughts. So that is our last um, action item. We are going to recess for an executive session related to property acquisition pursuant to RCW 4230-1101B. Are we expected to take final action on that tonight? Uh, we're not going to. We will not be taking final action tonight. Action. All right. So in that, in that case, council does not expect to take final action. We will recess for executive session. And how long are you asking for, Ms. Ms. King? Uh, Half an hour. 30 minutes. I think, did we ask for yeah. 30 minutes? Okay. All right. We're going to recess for 30 minutes. I will then come out to close well, the meeting, but the council will not be rejoining me to take final action.
Our, the September 11th general meeting is, uh, is adjourned.